The Goal Radio Football Show. Rob McLean is joining us in just a second. His headphones have gone walkies. You are listening to the Go Radio Football Show. Ali Defoy in with you, Rob McLean and Stephen Cragen. If you want to give us a call, 0808 17 700 is the number to get in touch with us tonight. Stephen, how are you doing? I'm very good, Ali. I'm very good. But as always, Scottish football, it's always in the headlines. Not always for the right reasons, but it's in the headlines. And I'm sure tonight will be a busy night talking all about what's gone on at Celtic and the repercussions that it may have over the coming weeks and months. There's plenty to talk about tonight, as I'm sure you can imagine. Uh, and of course, on the show tonight, Brian Rice was mentioned last night. He will be joining us not too long away, actually, within the next 10 minutes. And Bob Malcolm will hopefully be on the show with us today as well. Yeah, it is some day and some evening and uh, it's going to be ongoing for Scottish football uh, again. It's teetering on the brink of shutdown. You have to say the Aberdeen 8 followed by that bull and gully jolly to Spain. Two of tomorrow night's games are off. One already on Saturday and the warning is clear about what happens next if the game falls foul of the regulations again. So we want to know uh, what you think um, about the crisis facing Scottish football. It's a yellow card at the moment. It could be a red card, says the First Minister, before too much longer. 0808 17 17 700. If you want to get something off your chest tonight, give us a call. If you've got a question or an opinion, get in touch with us uh, on the text as well and on the socials at Go Football Show. A uh, slight technical uh, hitch to, to start the programme, but the headphones are just about linked up. They're on now. I can hear what I'm doing. We're off and running. But Stephen Cragen, uh, what a day of developments. And uh, sadly, they're probably going to go on and on. Well, they are. It, it, it's not just going to end now, Rob. Uh, you know, speaking of volleyball and goalie, you know, it, it's probably been said many times throughout the day how you can defend his actions. What was going through his head um, to do what he'd done? You know, leaving the country, going to Spain, not telling anybody when he came back. F- you know, Scottish football is high profile in Scotland in particular. When you look at Celtic and Rangers, the profile they have, the profile the players have, you can't do anything without everyone finding out. So to think that you just jump in a plane, you'll disappear for 24 hours, come back, and no one will notice. Um, it's 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 beyond me what he thought he would achieve or what he th- thought he was doing and get away with it. The fact that then go out and play against Kilmarnock at the weekend uh, and then let his manager know after that, it, it's just you know we've heard of Neil Lennon today and, and the fans on social media are not happy at all and everyone involved with Scottish football isn't happy and the first minister certainly isn't happy. Yeah, let's start right at the top. Nicola Sturgeon uh, speaking today uh, about uh, privileged footballers and what could be just around the corner for Scottish football. Every day I stand here and ask members of the public to make huge sacrifices in how they live their lives. And the vast majority of members of the public are doing that and it's not easy. We can't have privileged football players just deciding that they're not going to to bother. And the big quote, of course, uh, which followed that, which will be making uh, big headlines, is making headlines already. Um, We're in trouble, but it could get worse. Let me end by putting this as clearly as I can in language that the football um, world will understand. Consider today the yellow card. Uh, The next time it will be the red card um, because you will leave us with absolutely no choice. So the continuance of Scottish football, we're barely underway again after a four or five month shutdown. 
and uh, well, the shutdown could be even more mm. permanent if it comes along this time. And it's it's going to be that bit much harder to take as well for all of us who've missed the game so badly over this time. Um, it, it's going to be a mega blow if it comes round again. Well, it absolutely will. And I think first and foremost, when the first minister said there, the you know the vast majority of people, you know, and she spoke about the privileged footballer the vast majority of footballers and football clubs and individuals Rob have done the right thing Yeah, this is an individual choice mm-hmm. of what people have decided to do so you know to put it all together and, and blame the whole of football I think you've got to be careful how you do that um, but she then follows it up by saying businesses have made sacrifices individuals families mm-hmm. have made sacrifices they've had tough times suffered tough times so you know people in privileged positions as football players are you have a responsibility to do the right thing you're in the public eye you're there to be shut down and if you give people ammunition, they will absolutely shoot you down. And I think the Aberdeen eight, as well as volleyball and goalie, have no one else to blame apart from themselves. They've given people that opportunity to have a little pop at them. Um, and if it's not clear now to football, cl- uh, sorry, football players in responsible positions of what they can and can't do, it never will be. So let's hope that is the final one. Um, there is concerns. You know, you read social media of, of, of supporters. Can the season be finished? Will the season be finished? That's already people saying that. When you look at the English Championship, you know, over lockdown and, and, and the English Premier League Rob managed to get finished, Europa yeah. League, Champions League going, everyone has followed the protocols, everyone has done things right. Well, yeah. that's it, isn't it? I mean, there, there, was, a, there were, uh, it was a long spell of English football, lots of games crammed into a short space of time, maybe over a what, six, seven week mm-hmm. period, something like that. They managed it. Why can we not do it? Well, because we have irresponsible individuals making decisions purely for themselves, making selfish decisions. You know, the, the people involved have let themselves down, let their club down, uh, let their supporters down, let Scottish football down. And that's the key bit. You know, we always talk about trying to promote Scottish football as best we can. And everyone around Europe, irrespective people think, we'll be talking about Scottish football tonight, mm. but for the wrong reasons. And that's a damning uh, report on us, on our game. And it shouldn't be, because we've got a good product, we've got a good game. Don't give people the reason to... St- speak negative about it and clearly from what the most powerful person in the land is saying we are just one more false move away from another Scottish football shutdown it is a Mm. a dreadful thought and on the subject of uh, volleyball and goalie and what happened uh, with Celtic here's Neil Lennon we played Hamilton opening game of the season gave the players a couple of days off after it had been a heavy week that week and we made it clear to the players that they weren't to leave Glasgow. Unbeknownst to us, uh, Bolongoli took a flight to Spain on the Monday and then flew back in on the Tuesday and then decided to keep it themselves, didn't tell anybody, trained all week, put everybody at risk in, the, in this bubble that we've created here and then obviously was part of the squad, played on Sunday, put everybody at risk, you know, the Kilmarnock players as well, Kilmarnock staff. Um, and then obviously then he came clean and we were absolutely livid. So what about the disciplinary process? What happens next with Bolongoli? I haven't made that. That decision that decision's not been made yet, Ronnie, so you know, I don't want to premeditate anything. But like I said, you know, internally we'll deal with it in the strongest possible disciplinarian way. Whatever that outcome is, you know, I I don't know. And it's not for me to say. It's a club decision. 
He was asked, Neil Lennon, today um, about he, how easily or otherwise, uh, more to the point, uh, Bolongoli would be accepted back into the dressing room. And I think very difficult uh, was the quote from Neil Lennon, which probably tells you something about what is likely to happen next. Get in touch with us on the show with your opinion on what has happened here. Ryan is a Celtic fan. He's got in touch with the Go Radio Football Show. Hi, Ryan. We will get to uh, Ryan as soon as we can, but uh, you, you know Neil Lennon well, uh, and I think you know he was, he was presumably um, biting his lip and, and maybe not saying everything that he wanted to say. We've got Ryan. Hi, Ryan. Hello, how are you doing, boys? You all right? Yeah, good, thanks. Good. Uh, what, what do you make of uh, Bolling, Bolly Bolingoli and the Neil Lennon reaction? See, personally, for me, I hope we never see him in a Celtic jersey again, in all honesty. You know, but we had the Aberdeen players rightly or wrongly. They went to a pub and caught the virus. And, and okay, you can argue a pub is fine for the majority of people, so you can get the confusion for that. But for him to fly to Spain, a, it's a well documented red flag country for one night, then come back, not tell anybody, and then go play a game for ten minutes and mix with others. That's that's inexcusable for me. I, I can't understand a single situation where somebody would find that acceptable during a pandemic. Uh, hey, it's Ali here. I was just thinking, oh. what what do you think, Ryan? Because obviously he knew he did wrong because he didn't tell anybody. So who goes to Spain and not tells anybody? You would be like, oh yeah, I went to Spain the other day. So he's purposefully not told anybody. I mean, do you think there's it's quite a lot that's gone into that, hasn't it? I think there's a lot of... You can tell that he's purposely not told anybody because of the fact he hasn't mentioned it. He's done that for a reason. He's not just up his mind that he went to Spain. For me, that's, that's a sack of offence. See, when you're putting everybody at your club in, in jeopardy like that, you know, it, I thought he actually went, when I seen the reports the other day, I thought he went like just before the game. But the fact that it was the Monday, so he went on the Monday back to Tuesday, trained with his teammates for a full week, then played a game against Kilmarnock as well. Like, that's, that's not acceptable at all. You know, that, like I say, that, that's a sack of offence for me. Well, that's going to be interesting, isn't it? Um, all the the legal documents will be gone through, Stephen. I would I would imagine. Um, will it Will it be a sackable offence? Is it breach of contract? Well, listening to Neil Lennon, it, it doesn't sound like he will play for Celtic again. Listening to Ryan, he doesn't want him at his football club again. So it looks like there's no way back for volleyball and goalie. Um, and it is very difficult for for clubs because you know they can't babysit players twenty four seven. They're adults, they're grown men. They have to make decisions for themselves. And I would say if there's any player out there who has a doubt of what they can and can't do, phone a member of staff, ask the question. And if there's a seed of doubt, don't do it. If it means going out, if it means going to visit and go and do something, don't do it. I think that would be the, sim- the simple way of looking after it. Volleyball and goalie was premeditated. He was going to Spain irrespective of what was happening. And nobody could have changed his mind because he hadn't told anybody. He didn't tell anybody when he came back, Ali, as you said. So... Ryan, I can't really see a way back. And I would imagine the majority of Celtic supporters will, will feel the same as you. I, I don't think I know one Celtic fan who who's even said, give him the benefit of the doubt on this. I think every single person that I've seen or spoke to today has all said, that's him done at Celtic. He's never playing for us again. We don't want him anywhere near your, your club. You know, this is a, a massive year going for 10 in a row. And we're now looking at potentially being 11 points behind Rangers by the next time we kick a ball in the league. Like, I fair enough. That's, it's two games in hand that we still have to play but it puts even more pressure on them games than you would have already had and you've seen it the weekend there we had a stumbling block against Kilmarnock which by the way wasn't happy about but 
we had we had a stumbling block at, at the weekend. All it takes is a, a fully a full strength Aberdeen team to do that to us again. You know what I mean? So the the fact that we hit, we actually had a bit of an opportunity playing Aberdeen or potentially playing Aberdeen while there's a couple of guys out, but now we've even chucked ourselves into that argument. But Ryan, of course, the big picture is Scottish football could come to a halt, a shuddering halt. Um, I mean, that would be a disaster in football terms. Yeah, well, I, I was on, like I said, I was on last week um, telling you how lucky I was or how happy I yeah. was that Scottish football was back, and now a guy from my team has potentially ruined that. So, no, I'm not, I'm not happy with him at all. Like I say, I hope he never plays for us again. He's put us in an even tougher situation than we were already in. Um, just another thing though see on the this is probably going to play devil's advocate a bit here um, <laughs> I don't understand why we can't play the game tomorrow because if he's been tested twice and the rest of the team have been tested and they've all tested negative why can't we then play the game tomorrow against against St Mirren because I watched the the Nick Surgeon thing today mm-hmm. and I think it was Jason Leach was saying you know if a, if a child in a school shows symptoms and then they get taken out of school. The whole family need to self-isolate. But once they get a test and it comes back negative for everybody, you can basically cancel your isolation. So surely that would kind of be the same thing for this if everybody's shown negative symptoms. I don't understand why the game has to be cancelled tomorrow. Is it to do with the quarantine when you go to Spain? It's 10 to 14 days. When you, I mean, I'm not up on it because I haven't been there, so I haven't thought to, to check what mm. the legalities are. But my understanding is it, there's a quarantine period when you go to Spain and maybe that's what the difference is, Ryan. Right, maybe. Possibly. It just, it just seemed a bit strange when, when they had obviously come back and said that you know everybody had tested negative. I think Bolly had been tested twice. For sure. Since, he, since it came out. so Pre- Presumably ultra precautionary, and you can understand why, just in terms of uh, spread of the infection. He's uh, certainly done badly wrong, that is for sure. And uh, Scottish football at the moment hanging by a thread. Uh, one man is going to be, uh, thanks for the call, uh, Ryan. One man thanks, is going to be yes. unemployed tomorrow night. Uh, he wasn't expecting to be. Is Brian Rice, the Hamilton manager, because that game is off, at, uh, due to be played at uh, Petaudry. And we'll be speaking to Brian Rice on the other side of the break. The Bull Radio Football Show. Let's go. We're talking football on the Go Radio Football Show. Five till seven, Monday to Friday. Get involved. Oh eight oh eight seventeen seventeen seven hundred. You can text Go and your message to eight seven four seven four on the socials at Go Football show a full well it was going to be a full midweek of uh, Scottish football coming up it's not now because of those two postponements tomorrow night uh, St Mirren against Celtic is off Aberdeen against Hamilton is off Dundee United against Hibs is being played tonight that does go ahead and it kicks off in about 40 minutes time two teams who've started the season really well and uh, someone watching that match at Tannadice tonight who would have been uh, working tomorrow night but isn't now because of the Scottish football Football chaos is Brian Rice. Hi, Brian. Hi, good evening, lads. How are you doing? Hi, Brian. Hi, hello. I'm uh, I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. Obviously disappointed the yeah. game's off tomorrow night, but 
it's a decision out with our hands, so we just need to accept it. Um, and we all tend to look at it from our own uh, particular points of view. We had a, a caller on just a few minutes ago, Brian uh, Ryan, a Celtic fan, talking about the prospect of Rangers getting a fair few points ahead of Celtic with those postponements coming up. Obviously, you're inconvenienced because you don't have a game you're expecting to have tomorrow night. But I guess we're all looking at the big picture as well, which is Scottish football could be facing another shutdown. Well, that, no, we've got to look at the big picture. You know, we can't just look uh, towards games being off and talking about that. It's the bigger picture. It's Scottish football as a whole. We need to get back getting played uh, on a regular basis with the fans coming in when it's safe to do so. And any little setback is really going to harm the game. Uh, and I think that the government had no option but to cancel these games. Very, very frustrating for everybody involved. Uh, and some teams are, are going to get an advantage of playing matches. Uh, and we're just unfortunate we're not going to be playing tomorrow night. We were just speaking before the break that they, they seem to manage okay in England through six or seven weeks. Lots of games crammed into a very short space of time. It hasn't taken us long to shoot ourselves in the foot, has it? No, it doesn't seem like it, Rob. You know, it's very, very... Uh, it's a dangerous position we're all in. You know, we've got to remember that this, this virus isn't going away. We've got to treat it with respect. And I just think we're getting a bit complacent, everybody. You know, and football's no different to anybody else or any, any other sport or any walk of life. You know, so we need to be really careful. England managed it really, really well, but we're different up here. Uh, it's been proven we're different, uh, and it's just so frustrating for everybody. Brian, Stephen Cragen here. You can look after your players when they're at the ground and you can follow the protocols, but you then have to pass on the responsibility to them when they leave, don't you? Stephen, that's the point I was trying to make today to the press when I had my press conference. You know, once we've got them with us, you know, it's like going in pre-season. If you're away pre-season, you've got them 24-7. You know, you can train three times a day, you can monitor what they're eating, when they're sleeping. You know, you can do all that stuff. When you've not got control of their lives 24-7, you're putting your trust in them. You know, you're giving them the responsibility to look after themselves, to look after their family. Because it's no individual clubs. To me, it's, well, the 12 teams at the minute are one group and we're all getting judged by our actions. My actions at my club affect other clubs. And to me, you know, the clubs are trying their best. The clubs have been fantastic in all this. And it's it's just individuals that have uh, made mistakes and it's and it's going to cost us all dearly. Absolutely. It's Ali Defoy here, Brian. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Um, I guess, as you say, it's very much in the majority of footballers and football clubs have been behaving incredibly well and it's the select few who have let everybody else down. Um, but the good news for you is you've made some signings. You've got Lee Hodson. He's just joined on a temporary transfer. David Moyo, Justin Johnson. I mean, it's been busy for you recently with Scott Martin and Sean Want. Tell me about your squad. How are you feeling about it? Because obviously St Mirren's game's cancelled on Wednesday as well. But um, it's against St Mirren your next game, I guess. Yeah, uh, we pushed it man on Saturday at home at Hamilton. I always feel as though when you're at a club like Hamilton, if if any of your boys are performing well, then other teams are going to come and take them. And and that's just the way it has been. You know, my top performers uh, get taken from us and we've got to rebuild every year. Uh, and when I came into the club, I said we'd need to get back to getting back to what Hamilton were all about, about building for the youth system up with some good experienced players knowing that you know your best players will leave you 
But it's got to the stage now where I've sat with the board and I've said to them, look, can we get two or three, maybe four or five players on a wee bit longer term contracts so that we can start to actually build a nucleus, a squad that's going to be there for two, three, four years. Uh, and, and saying that, you've also got to bring, that, bring in experienced players who you know fit into the way we work. I've known Lee Hodgson for a long time since I worked at Watford and I worked with him again at St Mirren. I know his character. I know what a good player he is. And he's one of these players that fills a variety of positions, you know, and he's he's very good in all the positions he plays. Uh, great professional. And to me, he'll be a role model for the kids in the club. Uh, and I think they need that. I think we all need role models. And I think we'll be a, a, a real good role model for the young lads coming through. And I think experience is a key word as well, isn't it? What he brings for you, Brian, because, I mean, that team... That team wasn't much average age, not much over 22. The the game that the, the team that kicked off the season at, at Celtic Park. So yeah. a little bit of experience uh, thrown into the mix is not going to do you any harm. No, it's not going to do any harm, Rob. But I go back to my playing days when I first started. How do you get experience? Be playing, you know. So I'm not I'm not I'm not afraid to play the players as long as they're good enough. As long as I see enough in training. As long as I see enough in matches to see that they're not afraid. And Look, we need experience in certain areas. I, I know that. I realise that. But if a young lad's doing really well, then the, the pathway's got to be there for him. And that's always been my philosophy. That was one of the big reasons I took the job, because developing young players is my passion. You know, yeah. that, that's, I've always been, that has always been my, what I've been about. Uh, and it's obvious I'm not going to play a team full of 19 and 20-year-olds. But, you know, if I get the right experience a little bit older players in with these kids, then I think you've got a, you've got a good base uh, base to, to build from. I liked a lot of what you, your team did on that opening weekend as well. I mean, it, it, it sounds a bit bizarre when it when it ended up a 5-1 yeah. defeat, but actually uh, not too many teams go to Celtic Park and create as many goal-scoring chances as you had. So so that was a big positive, even if, if the second half collapse, I guess, from your point of view, was disappointing. There were quite a lot of pluses out of that game as well. Rob, when a team like Hamilton goes to Parkhead or Ibrox and you get beat, you know, it's, it's really, really easy to pick the negatives. You know, I could just turn around and say, well, look at Edward, look at Christie, look at their attacking. But I look for the positives. What did I get out of going to Celtic Park? I got out of a team, average age 22, who weren't afraid to attack Celtic, who weren't afraid to go with two strikers, who weren't afraid to, to go 3v3 at the back when we got a corner against us. And it was that belief that I saw in the lads. And yeah, we, we lost heavily in the end, the second half, they're on over the top of us. I understand that. But we'll be better for that, and we'll learn for that. In the dressing room, I, I was having a wee chat about the game, and one of the more experienced lads just turned around and says, Gaffer, at least we had a go. And I just thought to myself, that's great, because too many times I've been at clubs and you go to these big grounds and you think, oh, if we can settle for two nothing, three nothing, that'll be fine. I don't want it. I don't want my boys to have that fear. I want them to go and try and win the games. And if they get beat, they get beat. But at least get beat having a go. Ryan, just talking about the young players. I watched your game on Saturday against Ross County, and I've got to say, young Lewis Smith is getting better and better every game, isn't he? Lewis, I think, is a real good talent. I just he's one of these kids that excites me when he gets the ball, Stephen. You know there's I think the wingers these days, we coach them to do things that they're no very good at. You know, we, we bring these kids in as wingers and that, and we, we see them taking people on and exciting people. 
then we get them into a club and we get them to play one twos and to, to pass the ball and all this. When I get somebody like Lewis, I just want him on the ball and to go and do what he's naturally good at. He's got a lot to learn, there's no doubt he's got a lot to learn, but he's got all the basics, he's got the raw material, you know, and I'm just trying to get get a bit more out of him, get him to believe in himself a bit more, because he's, he's a terrific young young man, but he's, he's very quiet, and I just want him to believe in himself, because he's got something different, and that's what we're all looking for. Can he unlock the fences? Can he do the unexpected? And I think that kid has got that, like I say, a long, long way to go, but he's got a wee chance. Yeah, I, I think, uh, I mean, he is, he's a real talent, isn't he? And, and what was really heartening, apart from the chances you created at Celtic Park, was the fact that six of the starting 11 came through the academy. There's another big plus for Hamilton Ackies. Now, you're not watching football from the technical area tomorrow night, but you are watching football at Tannadice tonight. I'll save you a wee bit of time and I'll give you the teams. Brian, uh, Dundee United, Seagrist, Connolly, Reynolds, Pollock, Clark, Edwards, Robson, Butcher, Bolton, Parks and a pair. There's another talent, Louis Appert, and what he's been doing for Dundee United. As for Hibbs, it's Marciano and Goals, McGinn, Porteous, Hanlon and Doig. Josh Doig has had a good start to the season, the youngster. Uh, Boyle, Gogic, Newell, Horgan across the middle with uh, the former Hamilton player, obviously Alex Gogic playing that uh, uh, holding midfield position, Doidge and Nisbet up front. And two teams tonight, Brian, who've had a great start to the season, Hibbs joint top. Yeah, James, uh, Dundee United especially, you know, coming into the division this year, got a good point at home, and then had a fantastic result away in Muddle. Always a very, very difficult place to go. Uh, so to win 1-0 and to keep a clean sheet will be very heartening, you know, for the club. Hibs, Hibs have always got goals in their team. Even, ever since me and Yogi were there many years ago, you know, they've always had goals in their team. It's trying to get that balance between scoring a lot and keeping them out of the other end but Alec Gorgic's a terrific signing for him absolutely terrific he's Alec's not interested in scoring goals he's interested in doing the dirty work you know the unsung hero uh, and I'm sure he'll be a great signing for him and fair play he, he, the young lad in this but you know he's had to go around a few clubs before he's found himself and what a fantastic hat-trick he scored at the weekend it's going to be an exciting game for you tonight. Um, Lauren Shankland is out, if I'm not mistaken, and so that's probably one of the biggest names out tonight's game. But they're, they're doing well without him, aren't they, Brian? Well, he didn't play Saturday either. And, you know, I'm looking at the teams here and I'm saying, it's great, Scottish football's got some young kids playing, some good talent on show, you know. And Shankland, you know, he is a miss for Dundee United, there's no doubt. He's a, he's a natural goal scorer, but... Let's say to go to Motherwell and win one 0 keep a clean sheet there. That's some result. Mm. Brian, it's great to have you on the phone. I'm thinking we probably don't want to hang on to you too much because you'll be wanting to get into the ground. I'm not sure if they'll make you take your temperature. Will they? They made me do it at Rangers on Sunday. Yeah, I've had my temperature took about three times today. I was at the dentist. I took there as well. I've been COVID tested more than anybody else in Britain, I think. So. <laughs> Another oh, will not do me any harm. <laughs> so you'll be champing at the bit for that game against St Mirren at the weekend. Yeah, Rob, these are these are games that are crucial for us. You know, it was disappointing on Saturday, but I'm, I'm being honest, we didn't do enough to win the game on Saturday. You know, it was a, a, a scrappy match. It was a bit bitchy and, and bits. I think they had the better chances, but it, it still took a mistake for us to lose the game, and it was really disappointing to lose the game, but. You know, we pick ourselves up again. Uh, I expected to be travelling up to Aberdeen to play against Aberdeen, travel down and try and get them a refresh for Saturday. I was going to freshen it up, 
So I need to look at things again. Uh, so we'll just we'll just we'll train tomorrow and we'll just train right through now. So listen, we're the lucky ones. We're mm. working, we're training. There's loads of people no working. There's loads of people still furloughed. Lots of people have lost their job. So exactly. I just keep saying to the players, no, we're in a lucky position. Make the most of it. And that, that, you're talking about that defeat uh, at the weekend, but it's against one of the teams again that's got six points out of six so far and seem to be playing some pretty nice football and maybe taking some people by surprise who looked at their squad, uh, Stuart Kettlewell's team, um, and you know, d- had they made any major additions to it? Well, they're certainly uh, playing some pretty nice football in the first couple of games. Yeah, it's funny, though, but I looked at, I went up to watch them against Motherwell uh, and I was looking at their squad and I think I've worked with seven of them, seven of the players. <laughs> so it's your fault. <laughs> and, and I said, I said to my own squad when I did my my video work with them, I says, you know, people underestimate the teams to the Highlands because they're that far away. People think oh, they they can't be very good. They'll just be average. I know how good they are, and I know how much they want to do well for the Highlands. And the boy Vigers, for example, Stephen, you'll know him well. Yeah. The boy's a fantastic football player. He's just a fantastic football player. You know, he can run a game. And to me, he, he ran the midfield on Saturday. So these teams have got really, really, really good players. I think they don't get the credit they're due. Uh, and Ross County played some really good stuff against Motherwell. And they were a better team than us on Saturday. Yeah, Cy, Cy Ferry was talking about Ian Vigers last night. I think he played with them at some stage. I'm trying to think when that might have been, but he was raving about him as a, as a big influence in, in that Ross County team, Stephen. He just brings composure. You know, Brands touched on it there. There's nothing better than having a player in your team that when you're under pressure and the ball lands at his feet, he can just make that simple pass just to take the sting out of the game. It allows Ross County to build their play and move forward all the time. Um, so you know he was good I thought Harry Payton was good on Saturday as well Brand, I thought Ross Stewart was a handful you know I can see why people are continually being linked with him and looking at him you know it's not just his attacking play also his defensive play so um, it was a really competitive game on Saturday it could have went either way but you know, Brand said at this time of the season sometimes it boils down to that individual error or that little bit of quality on Saturday it went against Brand with the individual error Mickey Mellon's got off to a good start hasn't he um, Brian you know because if it goes the other way around, suddenly, even after a couple of games in Scottish football, you know what it's like. Uh, you're suddenly under pressure and people are saying, oh, maybe that was a mistake. Maybe he's not going to cut it in Scottish football. But um, four points out of six, uh, and suddenly he's got a little bit of breathing space and he's got a bit of confidence running through the squad as well. I think that's the important thing, getting a bit of confidence, especially when you come up to the league below, because, you know, it's exciting, it's all new. Uh, you're playing teams you've not played for a few years. Uh, it's easy to get carried away. And if you get a couple of defeats, you're like, are we ready for this? You start to doubt yourself sometimes. You know, so I met Mickey up at the Ross County game, lovely guy. Uh, a fantastic start from, like I say, the result in Motherwell, it surprised me a bit because I know how strong Motherwell are at home. Uh, and it's not very often that Motherwell don't score at home. That's the bit that surprised me. Motherwell yeah. got gold, always got goals in their team. You know, I, can't, I don't kind of remember the last time I seen Mother no scoring a goal against a team outside the old firm. Uh, so it, it took me by surprise a little bit, but fair play to Dundee United, a fantastic result. 
Brian, good to talk to you and enjoy the game tonight. Uh, kick-off just about 20 minutes away at Tannadice. Dundee United uh, against Hibs in the Scottish Premiership. Three games tomorrow night. Motherwell, Livingston, Rangers, St. Johnston and Ross County against Kilmarnock with the two games involving Celtic and Aberdeen, of course, called off, as is the meeting of Celtic and Aberdeen on Saturday. Get in touch with us, 0808 17 17 700. Worrying times for Scottish football. Text GO and your message to 8. 7474. This is the Go Radio Football Show. The Go Radio Football Show. We want to hear from you. You help us set the agenda on the Go Radio Football Show. And naturally, uh, one subject is dominating tonight the threat of a shutdown already. Uh, those postponements, a couple tomorrow night, one at the weekend, uh, calling games off. It wasn't how it was meant to be as we welcomed back our national game. Let's hope that there will be no more misdemeanours. And uh, let's hear from Stephen Gerrard now. And Ali was speaking to the Rangers manager earlier. Morning, Stephen. Ali DeFoy from the Football Show here. Um, after last night's meeting with the National Clinical Director, Jason Leach, what procedures um, at the club are you happiest with and are you putting any extra measures in place uh, with the players in regards to COVID? No, I don't think we're putting any extra measures in, but what we are doing is going to remind everyone of our responsibility and our behaviours during this current time. Um, up to now, I think everyone's done extremely well here at Rangers. Uh, the medical departments have been fantastic and first class uh, ever since lockdown, really keeping us updated with the situation. Um, but it's just reminders, really, of, to the players and to the staff that you know we, we have to behave in the right way and keep doing the right things. So Stephen Gerrard talking about the measures Rangers are taking um, and all the clubs have to be doing it, all the players have to be doing it on an individual basis. That's where it's gone all horribly wrong so far. We'll speak more about that as we go on in the show, but let's speak about football. And obviously the, the bright side for Rangers at the moment is the fact that uh, Celtic are out of action, Stephen, and there is that opportunity for Rangers to stretch a lead at the top over Celtic mm. because obviously Dundee yep. United and, and Ross County are still on maximum points as well. Well, this is a big moment for Rangers, Rob. You know, when you go into a season, it's as important uh, as it is for both sides. You want to try and steal a march in your opposition. You know, Rangers have an opportunity, I think, of putting, if uh, Celtic gets just these two games this week, they have a chance of putting points on the board. They have a, uh, a chance of putting uh, Celtic on the back foot. And further down the line, Celtic are going to have to play uh, quite a number of games in a short space of time. And that's when your squad can get stretched little injuries, suspensions can kick in. So there's a real responsibility upon Rangers. And listen, the Rangers players won't need to be told that. You know, over the past couple of seasons, they've managed to get themselves in front of the times or up close, and then they fell away for some unknown reason. So I think tomorrow night will be a big a big um, telling game for them to see where they are, to see where the mentality of the players are. Anything, you know, if Sunday's anything to go by, they were right at it. You know, they really were intense. Ali were at the game at... Mm. Uh, at Ibrox were really on somewhere and they smothered them early on they didn't let them get out they really went for the jugular they were patient in the end to get their goals and that's the kind of performance they'll be looking for again but ultimately over the next two games if they can pick up six points they suddenly pass a baton to Celtic and say what have you got and that's where they want to be in such a telling season and if Rangers are looking for another positive, of course, the team they face tomorrow night, St Johnston, were denied a game at the weekend because of the Aberdeen situation. Um, so that could play into Rangers' hands as well. Well, it could. I suppose some people say the fact that Rangers have played on Saturday, you know, they had, um, you know, leg work and whatever have you. They've got a big enough squad to cope with that. 
Callum Davidson probably would have preferred the game at the weekend. He's only had one game in charge. Just looking to build on that game against Dundee United to see what they could work on. So um, it'll be an intimidating experience for them going to Rangers. Of course, there's no crowd, but I just think the fact that Rangers are in such good form and they'll know what's at stake, that if Rangers start the game well and put St Johnson on the back foot, as they did um, to St Mirren at the weekend, it could be very difficult for them. And of course, St Johnson at pre-season as well with St Mirren's COVID short burst, that they then lost a game then as well. Pre-season yeah. practice, yeah. yeah. So yeah. it was almost like Ross Counties. You know, they went into the season. They had, I think, two, two or three games postponed, and you're trying to piece it together. And you can train as much as you want, and you can try and replicate games and and tempo and intensity in training. But when the ball comes out for the big games, okay, there's no crowd, no atmosphere, but the tempo and the intensity of the mm. games is much higher in competitive football than what it is in just training games and 11v11s and 5 v five. So you can try and replicate it as much as you can. Callum Davidson will probably know a little bit more about his side and his squad fitness-wise and where they are tomorrow night. Unfortunately, at Ibrox, probably when they don't have the ball. One big bonus for Rangers at the weekend, of course, was the return to form and the return to goals of Alfredo Morelos and Stephen Gerrard hoping that we're going to be speaking about his goals now and not his impending departure. He's a, he's a Rangers player. I think you could see that in his performance uh, the other day. He was, he was really, really strong from the first minute to the last. He's a big player for us. He's very important. Nothing's changed in terms of his situation. So uh, he'll be in the squad for tomorrow's game and, and we move forward. Um, it's only normal that players' heads turn when there's so much noise uh, in the outside in terms of the media. Uh, when, when, when players know that there's other teams chasing them, uh, big teams, I think it's pretty normal. So we understand it and we respect the situation that Alfredo's in. But the important thing and the vital thing is he respects the supporters here at Rangers. He respects the club and continues to keep doing his job in the right way. He was involved in all three goals against St Mirren, scored a couple of them. Apologies for the, the quality of, of the audio there, but you'll be well aware that uh, media conferences these days happen via Zoom calls. But I think we <laughs> Early got, in the morning as well. <laughs> indeed, well done for getting up. Um, but I think we, we got the gist of what he was saying there, um, and, and he's saying nothing's changed. Now, nothing's changed probably means you would imagine that Rangers are waiting for the right price because they, they've signed a couple of number nines. If you get Alfredo Morelos in the form he was in on Sunday, you've got to look around your staff. Stephen Gerrard will look and think, do we really want to let him go? Mm. You know, unless he's under real pressure from the board to go and sell. He looked happy. Mm -hmm. His energy seemed a lot better, whether he's getting fully fit. There's no doubt about it. Pre-season, he wasn't where he should have been. Uh, Start of the season, not where he should have been. But on Sunday, he looked as if it was a weight off his shoulders. And sometimes when you sign new players in your position, two things can happen. You either go in the huff and think the manager's replacing me or you think, I'm going to go and pose him a problem. But a good problem. The fact that if you go and huff about Rob, it's easy to put you out of the team. Mm. But if you go and perform well and you think you're going to stay and you score two goals, Stephen Gerrard's now thinking, I can't leave him out. Yeah, making it a choice. Make it a choice, but put it in your favour. Some players thrive on having competition. Let's be honest, over the past, what, 18 months since uh, Jermaine Defoe came in, he hasn't really had a uh, competition for that number nine jersey. Defoe's played certain games, but in any big game... Morelos would always start and sometimes as a player you become complacent you think well I'm going to play no matter what I do I'm too important to this team I'm going to play and you lose a little bit of your edge but when you have then someone breathing down your neck he spent good money in two centre forwards okay Roof can play in any of the wide areas you suddenly think he's trying to replace me he wants to bring someone in I've got to bring my A game out and if he can get Alfredo Morelos playing his A game it's amazing how much better he'll be and how much more effective he is. I think the Rangers fans will hope you're right mm. that the plan, that maybe maybe it's a fluid situation and if a certain price comes in, then it's too good to refuse. But 
if that price doesn't come and he's in form and he's scoring goals and he feels like it, which he looked like he did against St Mirren, mm. and you've got Roof and you've got Itton and you've got Jermaine Defoe almost back to, to mm. fitness as well, suddenly you've got a really good choice up front at a time when you can be moving a fair distance ahead of Celtic early on in the season. Well, what was interesting also was Steven Gerrard said with Itten, it, it, it gives him an opportunity of changing the system, of potentially playing a different way. Now, we watched Celtic change after Christmas last year, Robin, playing a 3-5-2. I wonder, is that something he's thinking about? Steven Gerrard has tried a four-diamond two before, so potential Itten as well as uh, Alfredo Morelos up front would be a handful. But if Rangers are going to win trophies and really, let's be honest, it has to start this year or these players will never be forgotten for the wrong reasons and the manager as well. You really want competition for places. You want to be able to take one out, put one in and your squad stays the same or your first 11 stays the same. They've strengthened too often for me around the edges. They've brought in too many squad players who don't affect your first 11. Iten and Roof will affect your first 11. Hadji will affect your first 11 the players have brought in. So Rangers look stronger at the top end of the pitch and to have that rotation and that flexibility to do that certainly will give them a lot of comfort. We spoke earlier on on the Go Radio Football Show to Brian Rice. Let's talk to his partner in crime, John Hughes, on the programme now. Uh, played with Celtic and Hibs, of course. Managed Hibs. All that success at Inverness, Cali Thistle. As oh, well. that's, that's no bad, Rob. Don't number <laughs> me with Kepa. <laughs> <laughs> Did you not want to be connected to him? <laughs> nah, he's a top boy, Kepa. Really top, top boy. He, he's at the game tonight. He's at Tannadice. You're you're watching uh, with your feet up, I think, uh, when Dundee United uh, against Hibs kicks off shortly. Are you surprised at all at, at the the start those two have made to the season, Dundee United and Hibs? No, no. I think that um, I was really impressed with the signing that Jack's made. Um, the boy Nisbet's hit it off. He's hit the ground running. And technically, very good footballer. And when you look at Doyle, with all the stick he was getting last year early on in the season. I think he got to sell 18 goals last year, so that's a good return. Uh, he's bottled up that midfield with the boy Gorgic in midfield. It'll strengthen it a little bit. And their competition for places, so long may it continue. We're just starting off very, very early. Um, but a good victory tonight up at Tannadice. I'll keep them going and get them on, keep the momentum going. In terms of Dundee United, I think they just need to keep doing what they're doing. It'll be a massive success if they... Um, Stay in the SPL and build on that. I think it's been a a great appointment in uh, uh, Mellon, Mickey Mellon. In terms of if he can, if the if he can go and recruit what he knows down England, because he's done all his football in England, and I'd imagine that uh, you'll see four or five good solid uh, players coming into Tannadice. And he's brought one in already. And the boy is at Jackson, who starts tonight. He's got, it looks like he's going to play three at the back. Yeah, and it's about Jackson the signing for Blackpool that's coming in. Yeah, and and what what gives them another massive boost at this stage, having uh, got four points out of six and not lost a game so far, is that they they've done it without the the star man Lauren Shankland. Yeah, yeah, that's a disappointment, Rob, because I was looking forward to seeing him. I seen him towards the end of last year. I seen him two or three times. In fact, halfway during the season, my mate asked me to go and have a look at him for a, a team down in England. And he scored two goals that day against Aloha and I felt, yeah, this boy knows where the back of the net is, but I just felt his movement and his all-round uh, work effort was just a little bit under. And when I seen him against, um, oh, forget it was, but I seen him at Tannadice up there and he was outstanding. He was outstanding and his work effort, his movement, 
He was, and he just looked a different player, looked fitter, looked sharper. And you say to yourself, yeah, and I'm looking forward to him. Big question marks, can he score all the goals that he scored uh, in the SPL? And anybody will agree with me, goal scorers are goal scorers. No matter where they play, they know how to put the ball in the back of the net. And it wouldn't surprise me if he scored a barrel of the goals this year. Yogi, I think that's the big point that, you know, particularly young players, you can try and coach them to score goals, you can put them in the position, you can try and teach them the technique, all that kind of stuff. But if you've got that natural instinct in you, irrespective of what level, what league you play at, if you can score goals, you will source goals out no matter where you are. 100%. Because it's the same as a defender. Because the ball comes in the box and it keeps hitting me and you on the head. That's no, that's no luck. That's habit because you know where you are. You know to position yourself. And that's what you're up against. You're up against these strikers that nip in front and score goals. And they're natural. Shanklin's a natural goal scorer. Uh, I'm just, and, and what I say is, I've seen him really working really hard and adding to his game. So um, I'm, I'm sure he'll score goals for Dundee United. But I'm delighted for Dundee United. You know, it's a team that's over the last few years, you know, they should be in the top flight of Scottish football yep. with the supporters in the club. And I'm absolutely delighted that they're back there. Could be a good game here tonight. John, I'm, I'm interested on your thoughts on player responsibility. I mean, it's uh, in all our minds at the moment, isn't it? What's happening in the game Bye. with uh, with the COVID Bye. the COVID situation um, and players stepping out of line, and we could be heading for shutdown if we're not careful. Unbelievable, Rob. Unbelievable. So irresponsible in behaviour. Uh, unbelievable. But let me put a wee twist on this. If he's done what he's done and he went over to Spain. You bet, you, we have to watch here, it's not a cry for help as well. You know, if there's that, with all the mental health that's going on and he's over and, you know, that you have to just be careful. Yep, yeah, we can throw him under the bus, but we just have to be careful. Doing what he's doing, does he need company? Does he have to get out there? Why did, why did he do it? And one thing about Celtic, Celtic, uh, the conductor fell in a fantastic manner. Uh, yep, very irresponsible. You cannot defend that. Uh, terrible, terrible. Putting the whole Scottish football... Uh, you know, under uh, jeopardy in, in terms of all the hard work that we've done to get it going again um, and you cannot defend it but let's just make sure um, you know, there's just no wee hidden agenda yeah. there with but, a mental health issue because why do you want to go to Spain for one day? That's, well, that's am. <laughs> one night when you're a star footballer yeah but, but yeah, that's why I'm looking at it and saying, what are you doing? And it might be a cry for help. You yeah. never know. You might want company. You, you never know these things. So With one, you know, one but, certain you know. person, maybe. Or multiple people, you don't know. Yeah, but, or maybe but, it's sad. You know, when sometimes yeah. people need the sunshine. I know it sounds, in, in all seriousness, that is something that a lot of people do get depressed. And the, the sunshine, maybe just not realising, well, just not thinking. But the key thing would be communication. Uh, you know, whatever his reasons for wanting to go away yeah. to, to Spain, uh, he had to be letting somebody know, especially in these these times. I, I think that's what, what has Neil Lennon aghast, that there was no conversation, that none of the other players in the dressing room knew that Bolingoli was off ski. Yeah, and I just think that's probably the tip of the iceberg. And because if you look at yourself, they're coming back, they're looking to do that 10 in a row. You know, all the pressure's there. The pressure's only two two teams old for them. The pressure there. You want to hit the ground running and get started. You come back, you've got the Griffiths unfit. And you've got the Griffiths girlfriend party. And, and then you've got the ball and goalie. Uh, and coming on the back of the result against Kilmarnock. Lenin just must be 
and saying to myself, what's going on here? You know, we have to be so at it, you know, for the nine, ten months that it's going to take for the season. Every day, every week, football, 24-7, the way you conduct yourself, your behaviour, to go and be, you know, remembered at Glasgow Celtic, you're going to be, you know, for, for doing the ten in a row. Yeah. Yeah, they've got off to all the wee problems that just seem to be piling up and piling up. I guess, Yogi, it's probably quite a disappointment because if you think about it, all of the medical staff, all of the background staff, all of the team, they're all putting so much effort to make sure everybody is safe yeah. as best as they can. Um, some people might think is is arrogance. They think that well, I can do whatever I want doesn't really matter. Well, if it is, then it's a sacking offence. Mm. If it is, then quite sure Celtic will, be, will do a, the investigation uh, you know, behind behind closed doors and, other, and if it is that, and that is so so irresponsible, uh, if that is the case, and what he's doing, to bring as you say, all the hard work that's been throughout Scottish football, exactly. everybody can get try to get it back. So irresponsible, but I'm no one right at this moment in time for throwing them under the bus. I agree, and it's a massive massive um, mistake, uh, irresponsible, real bad judgment error. I'm not going to defend them, but I just sit back till we get all the evidence and yeah. just sort of see it. But the, the, reali- but, the reality is, John, we're one, one more blunder away from from shutdown. And, and if that were to happen, goodness knows when Scottish football would come back. You're right, Rod. And we have to be more responsible. Uh, and it's giving Scottish football a bad name. You know, we have to be more responsible. And I don't think the teams, you cannot, it's up to the players, your role models. You cannot, the club cannot look after you 24-7. And as you say, if he's flying over to Spain for one night, then you just go, I'm not sitting here scratching my head. It's mm. unbelievable. But I'm sort of saying to myself, as there might be mental health problems in there, as you're looking for company, as you're looking for that shoulder, because there's a guy from another country coming over here. And I'll say another thing, you know, it's, uh, this is what happens. See, if he was a regular in the first team and he was pulling up trees, then I'm not quite sure that we would be getting uh, right. That's it. That could be his career over, and that's just that's just the way the land lies. That's yeah. just the way. That's no backing him. Listen, I think he's an absolute. He's really let his club down himself, down his club, down the family, and Scottish football down. You cannot back this. But um, let's just be a little bit careful before we go and jump the gun. John, good to talk to you. All the best, John Hughes Rob, on Go Radio we're, Football. We're there, Rob, because of Crags. Yes, Shogi. Crags, six old, Mirrorwell. Ah. Uh, you're watching it, 10 year anniversary. At least you, if you were playing, you could have done something about it. Yogi, I did. I let six goals in. Well, do you want to know something, Crags? I watched that the other day there, and you gave a stonewall penalty away, and we never got it. Big Nishi dived all day long. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> that was a. <laughs> That was an all-time classic, wasn't it? Six all at Fur Park. John, thanks a lot on the Go Radio Football Show. Get yeah. in touch with us. 0808 17 17 700. The Go Radio Football Show. Let's go. Into the second half we go. Thanks to Joe for the news. And as he said, uh, that Dundee United-Hibs match uh, has just kicked off at Tannadice. The first of four midweek fixtures now was meant to be six in the Premiership with of course St Mirren against Celtic Aberdeen against Hamilton called off for tomorrow night uh, also cancelled is Celtic's game against Aberdeen at the weekend we are hanging by a thread worrying times for Scottish football uh, let's talk to Tarek hi Tarek 
Good evening, panel. And, uh, first time caller to the show. Welcome. Uh, uh, how you doing? All doing. I hope everybody's okay. And I'm keeping safe. Yeah, we're, good, Tarek. We're, we're keeping safe. Let's hope Scottish football continues to keep safe because we're teetering on the brink, aren't we? Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, to be honest with you, I mean, I can't, I, my best friend, uh, Bubblegum Michael, he's a Celtic supporter, I'm a Rangers <laughs> supporter, and he phoned me today and he actually, he's absolutely scunnered. He said to me that that's going to cost Celtic £30 million. And I'm thinking to myself, I, I, I said to him and he agreed totally with me, they need to sack him. I mean, listen, I heard Jogi Hughes earlier on saying that, you know, maybe it was a mental issue. I mean, you know, if it was a mental issue, you should have been dealt with with the club. He didn't have to go to Spain. Maybe he was lonely, he could have went through to Glasgow. There's plenty of nice lasses in Glasgow. Didn't he go to Spain for one? Anyway, Tarek, what, what, what was the point you were wanting to make? Well, the, the point I was wanting to make was basically, like, like Rangers, and it's obviously Celtic got awarded the league last year. My point is quite simply, see if the league gets, you know, furlong, then it gets stopped, then basically the league should be awarded to whoever's at the top at the time of that happening. It could be Dundee United, it could be Hibs, and it could be Rangers at the moment. But whatever, whoever's at the top, they should be entitled to get the league because the Celtic were given it. You know, and they keep, you know, the Celtic fans keep going on about the, the nine in a row, but it's only three and qu- three, eight and three quarters, to be honest with you. Let's get the thoughts of Stephen Cragen on that. Um, I guess a lot of people will be thinking about that, even in the corridors of power, especially in the corridors of power, about what if this season, like last season, doesn't go the distance. I just wonder, was something different put in place, Rob, um, to try and cover this issue? Because it wasn't really covered at the end of last season. I just wonder, you know, as the SPFL spoke to the SFA to try and put something in place. If they have, it's been done privately, but I think there has to be a certain number of games played, doesn't there, before they can yeah. consider any kind of uh, conclusion to the season. We hope it doesn't get to that. You know, we're we're talking about starting a new season, we're talking about the the mental health and well-being of, of, of communities around Scotland who have missed their football, who love watching their team play, albeit, um, you know, just on the TV screen from now moving forward. But... Um, I don't think we want to look too far ahead about how the season's going to end and what we're going to do. We just want to make sure we can get the next round of fixtures played tomorrow night. We can get the next round of fixtures played on Saturday and then common sense from everybody involved, players, staff, to make sure they're doing the right thing. Um, everyone's healthy, everyone's fit and you know, following the protocols and we can move forward. Yeah, I think we're jumping the gun, aren't we, by wondering how it might all finish because we're barely started and we're in big bother at this stage. And uh, you can only imagine um, what Ian Blair at the SPFL has been thinking in the course of the last uh, 48 hours or so. Um, already, uh, it was fixture chaos, really, and the inevitability was there were, there were going to be spells of four games in eight days. Maybe a couple of times those were expected. Um, that's just got worse. Well, I'm guessing the reason why Ian Blair was saying potentially four games in eight days was because of the bad weather, maybe in and around December, snow and rain and, and, and games being called off, frozen pitches. That would have been the issue. Not because players can't look after themselves and can't make responsible decisions and already within what two or three weeks of the season starting we're having to try and arrange games so that was his worst nightmare I think he said up until was it the first 33 games of the season they had one spare window Rob what you may have to look at now is I know throughout UEFA um, competition weeks 
that you aren't allowed to broadcast live football on TV. If Rangers and Celtic are involved in live games, uh, or sorry, involved in games in UEFA windows, other clubs may have to play through that. So there's potential for other clubs to play. But if Rangers and Celtic are involved in Europe, I don't know where they're going to squeeze their games in. It is going to have to be maybe playing a Tuesday, playing a Thursday and playing a Saturday again. And at this moment in time, unfortunately, that the clubs who have been involved and the misdemeanors can't really complain too much. They're just going to have to get on with it because it was one of their own players that's put them in that position. You can view say as well, 0808 17 17 700, 10 past six on the Go Radio Football Show. Let's talk to John, a Rangers fan. Hi, John. Hi, how's it going? Good, how are you? Uh, not bad, not bad. So, firstly, it's more of a point and then a question to yourself, Stephen and Ali. Um, I think the SPFL have failed massively on this if we go back to the Aberdeen situation there. Uh, UEFA had said in return to play, footballers and football had to show leadership and set an example. The Aberdeen 8 were not punished. This situation was actually known about on the Saturday night. Their game should have been forfeited with St. Johnson and Hamilton awarded victory. Stephen just said it there. We've got bad weather in this country. We only have one free week. There's going to be congestion already. I don't think it's fair that St. Johnston and Hamilton, who have followed protocols, are going to be punished. I think initially the punishment should have made severe enough that there was a deterrent for clubs and players. And it's just, it's just that simple for me. Another postponement can result in massive losses in revenue, jobs being lost. So I think ball and goalie, I think, has been singled out a wee bit today, but I think it should go back to the the lack of action actually taking on the Aberdeen players. And then I think my question to that was, do you actually think if the Aberdeen players had been punished properly and the club punished properly, that you would maybe not have seen a situation like this happen a couple of days later? Stephen? I think that's a difficult one because if it was already a premeditated decision from volleyball and goalie to go to Spain, mm. and I understand both are wrong, but you know, particularly even more so going to a red flag country, someone spoke about earlier, about earlier on, having the quarantine coming back. I mean, that just seems a ridiculous decision to do that. You know, John Hughes did speak about mental health. So, you know, whether that's the issue or not, but to make that decision to go to a red flag country just seems so extreme. Uh, for the Aberdeen players, they either knew what was going on and decided they were going out anyway. Hmm. Um, you know, did the SPFL, you know, other deterrents in place to stop clubs doing it, to stop players doing it, or to punish players? I'm not so sure. I'm guessing it must be an individual thing within the club that they'll be the ones who will have to punish the player when the situation comes around and the PFA won't be there to back them up to try and fight their case. It'll be a simple case of two weeks minimum, four weeks maximum wages. And I'm guessing that's how clubs will deal with it. But you're right, moving forward, if this is something that, well, listen, if it happens again, the league's done. Hmm. It's going to be called quits. Not called. It's certainly going to be paused and put in the back foot. So you'd like to hope now that there's enough deterrent for players not to, you know, do something they shouldn't be doing. And you think that clubs dealing with their own internal discipline issues is what's happening here, and you're not necessarily going with John's point, which is punish the clubs. Do you know what? It's a hard one because the the clubs are doing everything they can. They've invested so much money. They're spending so much money in testing, on getting sanitizer. They're getting everything's getting cleaned properly. The players are getting everything they possibly can on a plate, Rob. And you can't question the commitment and the investment of the clubs and the safety concerns of the clubs. If players do something through an accord, there's not an awful lot a club can do about it. So I think it seems very unfair to punish a football club when mm. it's a when it's an individual who has you know, made that mis- choice. Who's made that choice off their own back, or eight players have made that choice. I think it's very difficult to say, well, it's the club's fault when there's not an awful lot the club can do. John, it's pretty depressing, isn't it? We waited so long, we celebrated the return of Scottish football, um, and now we're staring into the abyss again. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely brutal. But just to touch on Stephen's answer there, I mean, I agree with parts of it. It's just, 
I feel like as a football fan now, Maka's been responsible for a lot of these talkings. I'm a fan that turns up to games. Rangers have had enough headlines about individual fans and groups of fans causing the club's problems and UEFA have threatened to ban Rangers from Europe. They've banned fans, have punished the club with fines. So I think players who are contractually obliged to behave in a certain way, that does actually fall on the club and fans misbehaving also falls in the club but I would say with players you've got more responsibility controlling players I just don't see how you can even look at getting fans back in the stadium when this is a state we're in with an employee group of 40 people not being able to behave well, I think that's the bigger picture, that supporters are frustrated that they're making sacrifices. They're mm. still buying their season tickets. They're still supporting their club. And they can't wait to get back into a stadium. Yet you have irresponsible people. You're right, John. Irresponsible people who uh, aren't doing things correctly and are actually putting it further back for these supporters to get in and support their club. So, listen, I completely understand why clubs, are, uh, sorry, supporters are frustrated. It's not a good time. And I guess many of them will have paid to watch uh, on their own club's TV for this tomorrow evening's games at Aberdeen of course and at St Mirren John it's Ali here and this is probably an obvious answer for you but if it was a Rangers player say Morelis was out in the town in Glasgow or he'd gone or or someone else from your team had gone would you still feel the same way? Is it a yes or a It's the exact same question I've had thrown at me on Twitter all day Yeah I imagine yeah, to me, I don't really back it that way. Like, if it was a Rangers player, it would be the exact same issue. I almost feel like if it was a Rangers issue, I'd be like, oh, I expected this to come. <laughs> I'll always feel that way this season. That makes sense. Fair enough. And, and John, is it, is it? I mean, it's really disappointing, isn't it, that English football managed to get through so many games and end their season last season, um, and we've barely started Amarim Big Baller already. Well, that, that, to, that to me was one of the issues that I really agreed with Gary Holt and Stephen Robertson on about the, the lack of employees. Like, Arsenal managed to get back in, and I think they made about £40 million by finishing the season and winning the FA Cup, and they've had to let go of 55 employees. So that's actually the, the financial burden even at the top end. So God knows what would happen if there was any postponement for another 46 weeks to, to clubs going down the line. Maybe a, maybe a ball and goalie or some of these Aberdeen players could afford to have 46 weeks um, without pay, but there's players down the line who are paying mortgages and working paycheck to paycheck just to get by. So I just think it's really disrespectful. Um, I agreed with what Brian Rice said about it all being one group, but it does feel like it's not really been one group when other people are only following to the letter. John, do you think it's fair to say, and I can't really remember the timeline of all the events, but with the English League, were they still on lockdown and weren't allowed to go to the pubs at the time where they got their season back? Have we had it where the pubs are open and we're slowly getting back to it when our players are starting to play? Do you think that's made much of a difference? Yeah, well, I wasn't sure. I was trying to look on the SPFL website. I wasn't sure if I'd misunderstand some of the protocols. The Premier League were very clear that footballers did not have the same freedoms as the general public. So mm-hmm. even if lockdown was opened and restaurants were open down in England, mm-hmm. they were told that they still had to be going straight home. And I think in some cases, if a team were travelling more than 50 miles for a match, they were in a hotel by the Thursday and they were there till the Sunday. So they were all together, they were all not moving and they were all to self-kind of isolate anyway. Mm-hmm. It's as if they had symptoms if they wanted to be back at training the next day. And I, don't, I, I'm not, I think we only had like two more cases in that whole time in England that are card with players. On the flip side, John, your team have two games, potentially three games before Celtic play next. You have a real chance of, you know, putting your marker down for the season. It'll be interesting to see the mindset of your team. Um, my last my last three or four seasons, Stephen has been built on what us. <laughs> Weekend, oh, yeah. Weekends where we could have taken leads and then we've drawn 1-1 with Hamilton and I lost 1-0 to Kilmarnock at home and Celtic have dropped points. It's been constant. So I'm just fingers crossed we can get through this and get 
Uh, three points tomorrow and three points at Livingston on Sunday. But you must be pleased with what you've seen so far from, from your team, dominating first half in particular, both up at Aberdeen and that home game at the weekend against St Mirren. Yeah, I was, I was quite impressed with St Mirren game, to be fair. I think I think St Mirren, I think some of the signings Jim Good has made, I think they'll be a really good side. I was actually interested to see them playing Celtic tomorrow because they did look good against us just compact in the first half it looked like we were going to struggle until we got the second goal but yeah the, the, those were the games last season that Rangers definitely dropped points in I know that sounds quite anecdotal and typical but those were the games that we were struggling to break teams down when they came with a low block and everyone behind the ball and Morelos where do you stand on, on Morelos he looked like his old self at the weekend <laughs> would, would you would you keep him on board if you'd asked me four days ago we would have sold him <laughs> I thought that might be the answer <laughs> That's a typical Rangers fan, yeah. If you'd asked me four days ago, we'd have sold them, and now I can't imagine life without them. So. John, thanks for your call. Good to hear from you. Thanks, that John. was thanks, Rangers John. fan John on the Goat Radio Football Show. Alfredo Morelos back in business with two of those three Rangers goals at the weekend. They are joint top of the Premiership as things stand. Dundee United and Hibs are in action at Tannadice. Nil-nil early on. This is the Goat Radio Football Show. Get in touch. The Bull Radio Football Show. So it's good to have you with us on the Go Radio Football Show. Rob McLean, Ali Defoy, Stephen Cragen with us in the studio tonight. Tomorrow night, Barry Ferguson returns. Get your questions in for him. Paul Cooney is here as well. And Leanne Crichton. She's been on the show already. She's back on the Go Radio Football Show for a Wednesday night. Stephen O'Donnell is among our guests on Thursday. The big names just keep on coming here. And uh, one of the biggest names in Scotland uh, was handing out a grim message today for the game. Nicola Sturgeon. Every day I stand here and ask members of the public to make huge sacrifices in how they live their lives. And the vast majority of members of the public are doing that, and it's not easy. We can't have privileged football players just deciding that they're not going to, to bother. So what sort of mess is Scottish football in? Let me end by putting this as clearly as I can in language that the football um, world will understand. Consider today the yellow card. Uh, the next time it will be the red card um, because you will leave us with absolutely no choice. And of course, we've had some interesting tweets. If you want to get in touch at Go Football Show and all of our socials, Ian on Twitter. And now this is an interesting one for the panel. Why wasn't the Aberdeen Hamilton game postponed on Friday at the same time the St. Mirren, uh, sorry, the St. Johnson Aberdeen game was called off? Surely, if a Celtic player breaching protocols, that wouldn't impact on Aberdeen playing Hamilton. Well. It was on as such, wasn't it? The SPFL said it was on. I think the recommendations from the government was it should be off. Right. So whether that would have been called off anyway, we're not too sure. I mean, there was a lot of talk today, you're right, on social media about the Aberdeen game was just called off because Celtic was called off. Mm -hmm. It should have been a standalone game and they should have took that um, as a separate issue or a separate game. Uh, there's no doubt they've made the right choice. I think For if there's sure. any risk, there's any doubt, you know, get it off. I don't think Aberdeen... The surrounding area has improved any since the weekend, so it would seem natural to call it off. But what you would have to say is, is that being a Scottish football player or involved full-time in Scottish football at the minute uh, within a club, probably the safest place to be, you know, because you talk about the bubble, yeah. uh, you know, how often they're tested, how often they're looked after, their temperature taken, you know, all the sanitisation, roundabout training grounds and at stadiums. So you can't help but think that would be the safest place to be. However, if there's any risk of a team travelling and being in a certain area, I think it's right to call the game off. Could Ross County against Kilmarnock tomorrow night have been a victim as well, uh, when you bear in mind that Bully Bullingoli was involved in that game mm. at Rugby Park on Sunday? 
Absolutely. I was. I have to admit, I was surprised it wasn't certainly spoke about a little bit more. Uh, I'm not too sure because volleyball and goalie isn't in the. I'm just trying to trying to work this out. I'm guessing because he's not in the Kilmarnock bubble. He was on the pitch. He wasn't. I think you have to be in contact with people for a certain amount of time so before like fifteen minutes or yes, something before the you know the virus could potentially spread if you do have the symptoms because he was in and around the pitch and he was off the pitch. I mean, how long was he on for at the weekend? He wasn't on for no long, ten for minutes. Long, ten minutes, you know. So, but I'm talking about against that one player for ten minutes standing face to face. I don't think that was a situation. So I'm guessing that's why that freed up the Kilmarnock team to travel to Ross County tomorrow night. But it just shows you how close it is to not just affecting one game, Rob, but yeah. two, three, four. It could but all collapse like a pack of cards. It absolutely could. And that's what the First Minister's trying to... Avoid. Avoid as much as we possibly can because we've worked ever so hard. I keep saying it. Clubs have invested thousands of pounds. And I think by the time supporters come back in, it's going to be hundreds of thousands of pounds. Which, let's be honest, our clubs probably don't have. They don't have a lot of spare money going about. But they want to get back playing football. They want their crowds coming back in. They need that. They mm. need that for their income. They need you know, hospitality coming back in they yep. want it back as soon as possible so please please you just hope that the yellow card won you know when a yellow card shown in a game players sometimes still take a little risk in football so ah. you know whether that's you the were, right you were like into in your time <laughs> yeah. yeah you know whether that's the right comparison to make I'm not too sure I understand what she's trying to yeah. say the first minister but in a yellow card some people take risks previously on the pitch let's hope they don't take any risks off it UEFA have uh, said today that Celtic's European game the qualifier Champions League qualifier next Tuesday uh, at home to Reykjavik is on and of course if Celtic get through that one it's Ferenc Varos or Djurgården the Hungarian champions or the Swedish champions would uh, come next for Celtic but there are all sorts of question marks when you think about it coming up in terms of European football. Um, we're in domestic chaos, uh, but you've got news about Linfield as well, yeah, Stephen. They were due to play. I think there was four teams. There's normally two preliminary. So there's only four teams in the preliminary round, Rob, for to get into the first qualifying round of the Champions League. Linfield and three other sides have been in neon, I think, since last week. Two semi finals were on Saturday. The final was to be tonight. Linfield were to play Dritta. FC Dritta. Uh, the game was called off 90 minutes before kickoff. Two of the Dritta players had tested positive for COVID. So now it will be interesting to see what UEFA's protocol is with regards to the automatically put Linfield through because they're due to play Legia Warsaw next week in the first qualifying round. So you just it'll be interesting to see what direction they go in. If it is a fact, in fact, that Linfield go through, you then can see the risk that volleyball and goal has put upon Celtic because if mm. their game was called off next week you'd imagine Celtic could possibly have followed that protocol as well and last season's hard work of winning the title would have all been wasted It's 6.29 on the Go Radio Football Show Welcome to former Rangers player defender midfielder moved on to Derby County spell at Motherwell as well Bob Malcolm Hi Bob Hi how you doing guys Good Hi, thank Bob. you Hi Bob the, big, you, the biggest challenge in your life is that you're assistant manager at Kelty to Barry Ferguson um, that must be that must be tough Oh it's hellish hellish <laughs> Oh he's he's, a, he's quite in denial but for the over the years so he's, get, he's getting better his temples saying of the heavy but I was at one of your games last season in the Scottish Cup. I was stationed just behind the technical area, and uh, I don't, th I don't think he's quieting down a little bit. Nor of you, to be, to be perfectly honest. But what are you, th what, what are you thinking about the the current chaos around in Scottish football? Oh, it's just been, it's been a shambles, isn't it, for, for the get go ever since the, the league was stopped, and then all this carry on. Like it's good that the Premier League's back, but uh, all the. Championship, League One, League Two, alone, League Iron League, having to wait until a couple of months down the line. I think to be, I think they're doing it so that the fans can get in. But 
we are, we are just the same as the Premier League lads. We want to get back in about it and uh, get back training and start playing games again. And can it be best behaviour from now on? It has to be, doesn't it? It has to be. Obviously, there's rules being put in place, so everybody needs to stand by them and, and try and get it so we can get back to normal as quick as possible. Uh, I, know, I know there's been a couple of incidents in the last week, so that I, I don't think there's any blame to, blame to lie with anyone. It's just obviously misunderstandings and uh, things that have happened, but so we, need, we need to get it sorted so we can push on and uh, everyone get back from football again and get the fans back in. Craigs, you remember Bob well from his time at Motherwell, don't you? I do. Bob, I was going to ask you, do you still have nightmares about pre-season training and Obertron? I don't. I, I still do, mate. I still do. Craigs, <laughs> I, I actually tell everybody about that story? It's the worst pre-season I've ever had in my life. Well, I was I was telling Rob earlier what we were doing. I think we were doing 400s and 800s round a track that Mark McGee had us going round. And you were about five years younger than me, and Mark told you. And Mark, <laughs> he, he, still, he still is actually. Yeah, yeah we still are. And Mar- Let your maths. There. And Mark told you to take a break, and I thought, Gaffer, I'm four years, four or five years older. Surely it should be me taking the break. He says, <laughs> he said we need to look after Bob. That's how precious you were, Bob, back in the day. Oh, uh, no, I can I can remember uh, Leachy. I can remember Leachy was on a bike because the boys had already told me about Obertron because they were the other year before, and they were saying, oh, you get these. Uh, mile runs where you run for a mile you rest and then the other team goes and you come right. back and I was like my head started going straight away <laughs> and then Leach had said Leach had yeah I was in Leach's group and he's like it's just a nice easy start and I'm thinking to myself right that's good the easy start we start straight away a, a minute into the run Leach is on my back right keep up keep up I'm like he said we're starting slow and he's like this is slow <laughs> my, head just, my head just went for that point I was like oh no Listen, uh, uh, that's a good old day. Bob, it wasn't about running; it was about dealing with the ball and and how you deal with the game. So you certainly dealt with that, mate. I wouldn't worry about it. Ah, uh, fucking on mate. That's it. But these days are changing. It's all about running now, isn't it? Oh, it certainly is. <laughs> uh, what about the Rangers situation, Bob? What kind of state do you think they're in for the challenge ahead? I, mean, I think it's hard to say. I've been saying the last couple of weeks. Obviously, they're looking good in the games that they've played, the friendlies and stuff. Uh, They've looked good the first two league games, but uh, you get over it's like yourself. There's players, there's players that you, you say training players, and then there's players that when they're put in front of 50,000, 60,000 fans, they kind of a flap a wee bit. So I'm hoping that this this period where the fans are on the end of the stadiums, then these, these players will get a wee bit of confidence, and then once the fans come back in, then they'll they'll keep the keep the runner form going that they're in. But uh, I'm just it's, it's a hard one because also there's no fans in the new snow. You're not getting a, a good assessment. They're, they're started well, but the first the pre-season games were like training games. Right? Uh, so they're kind of hard to take a, a good, get a good take on it. I'm interested to know, Bob, what you think um, about one of Rangers' new arrivals, uh, Leon Balogan, uh, in defence. But before you have your say, let's hear what the gaffer thinks. I've been very impressed, not just with the player. We knew we were adding a fantastic player because we'd followed him and tracked him for quite a while. Um, but since he's come in the door, he's been fantastic in training. Uh, he's been really good around the place in terms of his character. You can see clearly he's a winner. And he's our type and he fits our profile because he's quick. So, you know, the likes of the Ibrox when we want to go and put pressure on teams, it is important that defenders are capable of defending the halfway line. He said. 
Formerly with Brighton and Wigan. Looks a good signing. Strolled through the game up at Aberdeen. Uh, there was that moment um, when Ilke Durmas was racing away from him at Ibrox at the weekend where he got back and just very calmly dealt with a potential problem for Rangers. He looks a pretty smooth operator. What do you think, Bob? It does, yeah. I've been obviously connected to the Aberdeen game. Very impressed. Uh, what I was like, thrown straight. I think he'd only changed maybe one or two days and get through into the starting lineup, so uh, he's obviously got a bit of him well because it's hard. It's hard to do that when you go to a new team and you're through straight in. It's hard to kind of a uh, get your get to get through, especially a big club like Rangers. Um, he's handled it well. Obviously, that what I said earlier about the fans in that situation. It might have been a wee bit different if you've got fourteen thousand Aberdeen fans screaming for your blood. Yeah, uh, that that could be the the, the, the bit of difference. But as I say, it's the They've got to handle what's in front of them. Uh, that boy's done really well with the games that I've seen. So if he keeps that going, then say, the, the fans shouldn't be a problem. Is, is he currently playing his way in, into that starting position, do you think, alongside Conor Goldson? Because I guess prior to that, well, George Edmondson did well at the tail end of last season when it ended abruptly. Uh, he was the man in possession. Although Philip Hillander, I guess all along, ever since signing him, Stephen Gerrard pitched him in for his debut in Europe, I think it was, and, and he looked to be the man for the big games. But do you think Balogun has possibly overtaken the two of them? Yeah, I think he has. I, I think just with, especially Edmondson, I think if you're know, playing all the pre-season games and then uh, the guy comes in and he's, he's put in before you, even though he's only trained two days, it, sh it shows you what Stephen Gerrard thinks about him. They've obviously done the homework. And uh, they've come straight in, so I, I think he's ahead of both of them. Obviously, Hellander's, I, I think he's still a wee bit behind fitness wise coming back from his injury. So it'd be interesting in the next couple of weeks, the next month maybe, uh, when he's back fully fit, then you'll see, you'll see the, the difference in pushing for starts. But just now, I think Balligan's uh, took the spot, and uh, it's up to him to keep a hold of it. What about Alfredo Morelos? Is he, is he back in the frame again? And do you think? Uh, I mean, obviously he scored scored two, made one at the weekend of the three against St Mirren. Um, he looked to have his attitude back for for the game. Do you see him staying, Bob, or do you still see Rangers accepting a bid for him eventually? I, th I think they will accept a bid eventually, whether it's this this window or the next one. When uh, we we'll just wait and see. But I, I would like to. It's a hard one because. He's, he's he's like Barry. Well, he goes in a wee huff, and then <laughs> it's not as bad as that, is he? The, the, the difference is Barry would turn up for the games. If Barrelos goes in a huff, he's going missing for two or three games. It lets, it lets it affects himself. So I just wish if, if he took that side away from his game, you can't you can't take away the the bit that he's got the like the stupid tackles and the niggling and all the stuff that he does. That that's in him. You're not you're not going to be able to take that away from. But um, if he just dulled it down a wee bit and like the huffs takes the huffs out of his game and concentrates on his football because he's he's a great talent. He's obviously still only a kid as well. He's about 22, 21, 22. He's still he's still got lots to lots to do in his career. Uh, whether it's at Rangers or not, we just need to wait and see. But if they if they can get that, you, obviously top clubs are looking at him. Uh, but the, the thing that they may make no be taking a chance on is, is his attitude and the way it goes and huffs and stuff. It's interesting, isn't it, Stephen, that, that we John the Rangers fan on earlier on and he said his opinions changed in the space of four days because four days ago he'd have said, yeah, yeah, let's take the money. And then he saw what he did. It was back to business for Morelos. And suddenly you think, actually, do we want to be without that? Mm. 
Well, I think he's one of those players that will split opinion. And Bob is right. It will depend on his attitude. If he turns up for a game and he thinks, I'm in the mood, he's unplayable. But it's the other side if he turns up and thinks, I can't be bothered today. His body language would normally tell you he can't be bothered. But I think having those new players breathing down his neck will certainly bring the best out of him. He'll be looking over his shoulder and thinking, I want to play ahead of you. You know, and he'll be looking at his manager and thinking, I'm going to show you I'm better than these players that you just signed. And he'll almost in his mind be thinking, you've wasted money because you can get the best out of me. But sometimes to get the best out of someone, you have to put them under a little bit of pressure. And I think, Bob, that'll be the testing moment, won't it? You know, these new players coming in, if they get in ahead of him, what will his reaction be like if the manager decides to leave him out of the team? Well, that, that's a big thing, Craig. I think when you, when you look, when, he, when the other previous managers, when they got dropped, I think it was Cusinha dropped him and uh, Warburton dropped him as well. I think when when you get, when he, when he was dropped, you see him sitting on the bench and sulky and he's he looks as if he can't be bothered. Then... He gets his chance to team and then he takes it. That, that's what you need. You need, you need the attitude. If you're not playing, then can you go and show a bit? If it's, if it's in training, show that bit about you that you, go, you, you want that place back. And then once you get the chance, because at some point he is, he is going, if he's playing a lot of games and he's still there, then at one point he might get rested. Yeah. So then it's, it's how he reacts from that. But for a successful Rangers team, Bob, and a team to win trophies and a side that you played in, you need competition for places, don't you? You can't just rely on 12 players. You need the depth of 15, 16, 17 players to push everyone along. Oh, 100%. I think you've just got to look at Hank Torrand de Flo. When I broke into the team, Officer Torrey came £12 million and he wasn't a, he wasn't the, the main striker. He wasn't the number one pick. So I think when you look at it in terms of that and the amount of money the club paid for him, not to be the number one choice striker then I think that's what you've got to look at it doesn't need to be because Morelos is worth whatever they're saying 18 million 20 million doesn't mean to say that he's going to be the number one pick whoever's Steven Gerrard or no whoever's doing well or he, what he sees in training and stuff then that's the decision he's going to make it, was, it could have been easier for him just to leave him at the team Saturday because of the new signings that he brought in but stuck with him played him and he paid it by setting up a goal and scoring to it but you're thinking, uh, you're thinking, Bob, is that Rangers could still take the money? Yeah, they could still. I, I don't know if they're obviously everybody's. You, you don't know what's what's going on behind the scenes. Everybody's saying that they need the money, they need to take it. They've, they've signed signed these two players. I don't know. Was it nine million? They're saying so they need they need to recoup the money. I don't know if that's true. What what money was spent or how much they're getting offered for uh, Morelos? Morelos. Uh, it's all just hearsay just now at the moment. But I, if they can keep them, I would keep them. Just until, because obviously, if it's true with these the, the two Celtic games being cancelled as well, it's a chance for Rangers to, to go ahead, get a wee gap between, and put a bit of pressure on Celtic. And I think if Morelos is there and, and doing that and doing what he does in games, then it's only going to be better for Rangers. It's the former Rangers defender and midfielder Bob Malcolm on the Go Radio Football Show. Bob, do you think Rangers can do it, do what they desperately want to do this season and stop Celtic getting to 10? <laughs> the better. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've been saying. I've been to be honest. They're getting better and better each year. I think uh, it's getting down to the nitty-gritty now. Also, to stop Rangers doing uh, Celtic, sorry, doing ten in a row. Uh, it's a lot of pressure on them. But there's also a lot of pressure on Celtic. You can remember like the pressure, the, the, the nine in a row team at Rangers. The players that they had: Gascoigne, Lowdrop, McCoy, Durant, Cough and the pressure got to them and end up, so it's, it's going to be ups and downs all season, I think. I think Rangers need to, they need to do what they did at the start of last season, 
own a run of games, be up there doing a bit Christmas and then obviously keep it going and, and not have that wobble that they've had the last couple of seasons. And ultimately it's going to come down to who handles the pressure, who can hold their nerve, both for Celtic going for the 10 and Rangers, such a massive season for Rangers, trying to stop Celtic and maybe start something for uh, for Steven Gerrard. I mean, how much, how much pre- I mean, Steven Gerrard never looks like he's feeling too much pressure, but it's a it's a big season for him, isn't it? Yeah, I think he knows as well. He's, he's maybe doesn't show that that, but he's he's under pressure. He's there's no one anything the last since he's been here two or three years. So he he needs to win something. Um, I think also when talking about pressure, I don't. It's no good. I don't care what come down to the old firm games. They, they'll take care of themselves. It's, Rangers' problem has been going to St. Johnson and. Hamilton coming to Ibrox, teams like that taking points off Rangers and and that that's what's basically killed them. Last season anyway, after Christmas, getting into games thinking that they can just turn up and win the games. It's, it's never it's never like that. Uh, as I say, the, the pressure's it's on both teams. It's whoever's going to handle it, the, the betters uh, going to run out winners in the league. Bob, good to talk to you. Thanks, thanks a lot. All the best, Bob. Yeah, thanks Cheers, for joining guys. us thanks, on the Goat thanks. Radio Football Show. The Goat Radio Football Show. Into the final part of the Go Radio Football Show for a Tuesday evening. I was just trying to remind myself what day it was there. It's not easy. It's Tuesday night. There's football tonight, of course, in the Scottish Premiership. Still, Dundee United nil, Hibs nil at Tannadice. Uh, games in Paisley and at Pataudry are off tomorrow night. Mother will play Livingston, Rangers, St Johnston and Ross County against Kilmarnock. Uh, the midweek Premiership card and... A question here from Scott on Instagram. It's Rob McLean, Ali Defoy and Stephen Cragen in the studio. One for you, Stephen. Will Motherwell finish top six based on their sluggish start to the season? Yeah, I think they'll finish top six. I generally do. Look around the rest of the league and look at Motherwell's squad. Uh, They traditionally don't start very well. I think this is Stephen's third season in charge uh, from the start of the season. And I don't think they've started the league season particularly well in those... on. The last two, certainly anyway, the last year. So I think they're good enough, no doubt about it. Now, I know you spoke last week and you were you were speaking to, I think it was Peter and Derek, Motherwell fans who were on, and you were saying that you know, there's a little bit of complacency from Motherwell. I don't think there is. I think the manager works ever so hard and he wouldn't let anyone be complacent. Uh, their game has changed that much. They're, you know, they're, they've so much possession, they're missing that little edge at the top end of the pitch. And you speak to the manager at this time of year, start of the season, that's the bit that's the hardest to get, Rob, is to get that link-up play, to get that finish, and to get the crosses and the shots right. So I think once they get a victory, hopefully tomorrow night against Livingston, they'll grow in confidence and suddenly all the old self-belief they've had will come back and have no doubt Motherwell will finish top six. Is one issue, and uh, Barry and Cy were speaking about this last night, that Motherwell have almost got too good a squad <laughs> and it's difficult for yeah. uh, Stephen and Keith Lasley to find the best starting eleven. Well, that's part of the problem, I'd imagine, is trying to get that system or setup or players in certain positions that uh, brings the best out in your team. You know, he's chopped and changed round about. Liam Donnelly's now out. I, I think it was released today, potentially two months with a knee injury. Yeah. Nathan McGinley, four to six weeks with a groin injury. They would be two certain starters if Stephen had all his players fit. Uh, Charles Dunn's on his way back as well. Jake Carroll has been out for a little time as well. So I think once he gets settled in his system, he may change. Stephen uh, traditionally has liked, or previously has liked 3-5-2. He's played 4-3-3. So it's about the final product. You know, The first two games I've watched them have had lots of possession. They've had a couple of near chances. 
but it's you know it's turning that possession into opportunities on goal and efforts on goal. And I think once they start doing that, um, and listen, managers will tell you they always want the strongest squad as possible. Rob, he's got a strong squad. It's just about finding that right setup for them. Talk of Albion a jetty uh, heading for Celtic uh, just doesn't seem to go away. Uh, we had Frank McAvenny on the show last night. He didn't seem uh, overexcited about the prospect of the Swiss striker joining up at Celtic. The talk is of a loan deal uh, with an option to buy maybe £5 million. It would be if Celtic went through towards a, a permanent arrangement. Um, but that sounds as if that is still bubbling away. Mm. It's funny, I'm going to, as you do, you go onto YouTube and you try and find clips and watch some games that he's been involved in. Um, he looks very strong with his back to goal. You think of Odson Edward, he wants to sometimes, when he's playing as a number nine, he wants to come off into the pockets of space. He wants to almost be free from defenders so he can turn and face people up. I think, as yet, he's different. He wants to fight and stand against them, almost similar to Alfredo Morelos. Wants to back into people, wants to get round about. And his assist record and his link-up play looks very, very good. Now, going from the Swiss League to the Premier League in England, it is a big step up. Naturally, the quality's higher, the standard of players higher. So, he's 23 years of age. He's got a lot to learn. He's got a lot to improve on. Um, Neil Lennon will have looked and thought, you know, we can enhance him. But he can also enhance us if he comes in. It gives him that option of playing 3 5 two. I think having someone who wants to fight and stand against defenders and one Edward who can drift round about, I think that link-up play could be good. So uh, I think sometimes rather than you know being pessimistic about a signing, allow him to come in and settle in, let him play some games and make your judgment after he's had a, a settling in period. Yeah, I'm not sure some of the Celtic fans are going as far as looking at his uh, clips on YouTube. They're maybe looking at the fact that he wasn't getting a game for West Ham mm. and well, why should Celtic be interested in him? Um, and I'm not sure they were overexcited about the prospect of Stephen Fletcher joining up as well. Uh, there was obviously talks going on. Celtic did have a discussion with Stephen Fletcher about coming on a, on a one-year contract. It seems as if that deal's dead. Well, apparently it's on hold. I was reading today somewhere that it is on hold that talks could resume at any stage, um, which would make you think that Neil Lennon at this moment has made a decision to try and go down a different route. But naturally, you know, we know in football that you know sometimes when you go down a certain route, you know, the road can be blocked, so you've got to backtrack and go somewhere else. So, listen, Stephen Fletcher would want to go to Celtic. I think you know, there's no doubt about that. You know, whether he's first choice for Neil Lennon to come in or not, you know, probably not at this moment in time. But if he gets an opportunity to go. He's a top-class player. Uh, you know, he's played in the Premier League in England. He's got Scotland caps. He scored goals at different levels. So, would he enhance the squad? He would. But I think Neil looking now and thinking, I don't need squad players. I've got Patrick Clamal. I've got Lee Griffiths coming back. I want someone who's going to come into my team, who's going to play in my first eleven and make that better. And it's the very same with Rangers. Any signings from now on, you think it's you know they've got to play in the first eleven. You don't need a fluffy, roundy the edge player. You need someone who's going to go into your team right away. Lots of you getting in touch with us um, to say what we were talking about earlier on, which was um, why the Kilmarnock game uh, is going ahead in Dingwall uh, tomorrow night after, of course, Killy played Celtic and uh, Bully Bullingoli, um at the weekend. So I mean, we we were on that already, and and clearly, clearly there are lots of grey areas around uh, through this COVID crisis and and how football is dealing with it and the answer at the moment is it's not dealing with it very well well I've just had a look um, at Jason Leach uh, and his point is this is a judgement call it's not black and white we have judged that the risk with Kilmarnock is low enough for them to keep playing I guess what you were saying Stephen and um, we consider it today and we let it go ahead 
Jason Leach, the National Clinical Director with the Scottish Government, who was who was mm -hmm. on with us last night and laying down the law earlier. He had that five o'clock meeting yesterday on on Zoom uh, with all the all the managers and all the captains, and it was interesting that they all showed up. They were all on that, clearly uh, underlining how crucial uh, a stage we're at. Also, how important it is to the clubs, Rob. You know, if the season was paused at this moment in time, you would have to think we could potentially lose some top flight clubs. Yeah. You know, just because of the, the money they've spent, the money they'll have to spend even more to try and keep it going. You know, they have sponsors, that advertising still will be paying them. If that all stops again, then suddenly they're on the back foot and they're, you know, looking about searching for money. And the amount of Scottish top flight clubs who are trying to go to fan ownership, mm -hmm. you know, they don't have a, a single benefactor anymore where they can just go to and you can just keep throwing money at it. They don't have that anymore. So clubs are reliant on their income, the TV money. If the game gets stopped, does the TV money still get paid? Is that kind of delayed a little bit? So, I mean, that follows on to tomorrow night's game with Celtic and Samaritan being called off. You just wonder, you know, Sky being the, the uh, single broadcast at the minute, they won't be happy with that either. You've got the outside you know. broadcast as well, because yeah. obviously St Mirren, which I do, St Mirren TV, you've then got their broadcasters that would do it for the St Mirren subscribers and the pay-per-view yeah. as well. All of that's into the mix too. So that all gets stopped. And yourself and then, as well, Rob. And then suddenly clubs are thinking, where's the money coming from? Mm. There, was, there was that desperation, wasn't there, to get the season started on the 1st of August because of the TV deal. I mean, it hardly equates greatly with, with the money available down south. But up here, it's, it's huge, huge. hugely valuable, hugely crucial. And, and there was that desperation to get the season underway. So you do wonder what the implications would be of missed matches if, if there were going to be lots of them mm. and how Sky are going to react to that. Well, hopefully at this moment in time, it's only going to be three, yeah. isn't it? Or four, because it was one at the weekend as well. Yeah. So hopefully that's it. You know, it has to boil down to, we keep saying about it, individual responsibility. If there's any doubt about doing something, don't do it at all. Yeah. And I can imagine that's what Jason Leach would have been reaffirming to the clubs, the managers and the captains yesterday. They know that. It's then up to them to relay that into the dressing room and players then to take responsibility of themselves. Otherwise, there could be sacking offences, people losing jobs within football clubs, which is not good. Well, talking of uh, sacking, uh, what's happening at the moment is obviously raising the temperature of everyone uh, in, inside Scottish football. Lots of people uh, listening to the show tonight on, on Insta saying that Bully uh, uh, Bullingoli should be sacked. I mean, we had John Hughes on the show earlier on being uh, very upfront with his thoughts on it. And, and clearly, uh, lots of people... Uh, reckon that he's acted with total irresponsibility um, and, 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 and is in breach of, yeah. of all the rules. Well, that's the, you know something Celtic will have to go through the paperwork through his contract. You know, HR would have to get involved, and you know, without feeling sorry for volleyball and goalie, but I can imagine he's sitting tonight. You know, we've all made mistakes in the past. We've all done things. We've made errors of judgment. This is a decision that he will have to live with the rest of his life, and he, it's something that would always be attributed to his time at Celtic will be him, you know... Yeah, because he's, he's hardly set the heather light on the pitch. Well, exactly, he? exactly. But he will always be remembered for going off to Spain during uh, a pandemic when he was told not to, Robin. You just hope he gets the chance to continue on to, you know, if it's not at Celtic, go somewhere else and he gets the chance to get over it. I'm not just saying... You know, you know, we have some empathy for him, but it, it certainly it's a decision he'll have to live with. The we're rest just of his life. we're just hearing that he's been issued with a fixed penalty notice by Police Scotland. Um, more of that to come. But I mean, this this is a this is a developing story. But that's standard for anybody who comes yeah. back and breaks quarantine. Yeah, yeah. So that he's you know he's broke quarantine, irrespective yeah. of whether he's a professional football player or not. If someone from the general public breaks quarantine, they get the exact same thing. 
Totally um, irresponsible by a bully bowling goalie. what Neil Lennon said earlier on in the show as well. His his thoughts, uh, livid, I think was the word he used. I think yeah. privately he would mm. probably have been using um, another word. <laughs> yeah. um, and it means, of course, that St Mirren's, uh, the match at St Mirren to, uh, tomorrow night and the home game against Aberdeen mm. at the weekend are both off. And it does uh, allow Rangers... Um, barring any other uh, blunders in Scottish football to, to actually get into a sizeable lead at yeah. the top of the Premiership. Well, that's another thing that will be frustrating Neil Lennon. He knows how much 10 in a row means to Celtic Football Club. It will mean so much to him and to his players who have been there and who have won the titles. To suddenly then bring this into the equation, you know, the condensed season we have, the extra games they're going to have to play when players could be injured, players coming back from international duty, fatigue kicking, you know, kicking into players. This could derail them, Rob. In the longer term, this could derail them and Neil Lennon knows that. So that will also be coming into his thinking, the frustrations of that, that one player could derail what that football club has worked so hard for to be on the brink of creating history. You know, and listen, Neil doesn't take uh, things lightly, so there's no doubt he will be using a few choice words. Yeah, he was pretty cheesed off with uh, drop points uh, on Sunday at Rugby Park on a pitch that Celtic uh, never a fancy, mm-hmm. really. But things have escalated to a, a whole lot higher level since then. I think that's the least of his worries at the minute, is what happened against Kilmarnock. He's got bigger issues moving forward. You know, if anything, I can imagine his dressing room are now looking around and thinking, right, we need to unite as much as possible. You know, that sometimes things like this galvanise a club, galvanise a team. Uh, you know, if they need galvanised anymore, Celtic, with regards to the 10 on the uh, on the horizon for them. So, Neil will hope that it brings them all together and they can kick on. Let's end the show by talking about the football on the pitch. <laughs> and uh, we have got to halftime at Tanadice. Uh, I've just been looking over my shoulder at the TV screen, which has now gone to commercials. But I gather Dundee United nil, Hibs nil. Uh, Chris on Travels just giving me a gesture, which I think yes. means goalless at halftime. Yeah, it, it, is, might, nil, it nil. might mean something more sinister, but I don't <laughs> think so. Nil nil at halftime between two teams, Crags, who started the season so well, Dundee United and Hibs. Absolutely, no doubt about it. I think Dundee United, you know, first of all, the aim will have been to stay up. You know, that victory at Motherwell at the weekend certainly set them up nicely for tonight. Hibs, I expect Hibs to be challenging for third place, 100%. They've got the uh, category of player they need. They've got Jack who believes in those players and Kevin Nisbet, they've got a player who may surprise a few people moving forward. Thank you very much, Stephen Cregan. Tonight, uh, let's hope Scottish football gets a grip and there are no other major problems. That that yellow card stays as a yellow and doesn't become a red. We're back tomorrow night between five and seven. Paul Cooney's here, Barry Ferguson's here, Leanne Crichton's here, Ali Defoy's here, oh, Rob no. McLean's here, <laughs> and we'll in, do it all over again. I will be here tomorrow night. We're all here tomorrow night for the Go Radio Football Show, five till seven. The Bull Radio Football Show. Let's go.